Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Ryan, one of the things I love about football and netball clubs is that they are perfect for both men and women. The other thing that is perfect for both men and women is the Dollar Shave Club starter box, which is full of products designed to help you kick personal grooming goals. If you want to look good, feel good, play good, sports grad listeners can head to the link in our show notes to access the Dollar Shave Club starter box for just $15, plus you can get $10 off your second delivery. Inside, you will find a range of top-shelf grooming products perfect for both men and women. So, head to the show notes for more details and take advantage of that terrific offer. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and as always, I'm with the adventurous Ruben Williams. How are you today, Rubes? I'm very well, Ryan. Thank you for that introduction. Adventurous, I like, I like that word today. We're going on an adventure as always as we do in every episode, so can't wait for our guest we today. We absolutely are, mate. And first of all, I just want to thank all our listeners for listening to the show today and by downloading and getting involved. We really appreciate it. Today, we are talking to Hayley Hamp about how resilience and perseverance paves your way to a career in the AFL. And if you're listening for the first time and thinking, who are these two blokes on my podcast? What is this show? What is it about? We are the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Notre Dame, Australia in Perth. Ruben is a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne. A few years back, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together, and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape, or form that may be in the sports industry. Now, on to our special guest for today, Hayley Hamp. Hayley is the Marketing Communications Coordinator at the Collingwood Football Club, and has completed a number of internships and a plethora of roles in marketing, including a Business Coordinator at CARA and Marketing Coordinator at Vogue Graham Lawyers. Hayley is a classic case of persistence and resilience truly paying off. Hayley, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Hayley, how are you enjoying the lockdown in Melbourne? Look, it's not too bad when the weather's nice. You can actually get out. Um, I'm a little bit over working from home. I miss my colleagues and sort of the office banter. But we get by with Zoom and harassing my colleagues by calling them every hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not too bad. What 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 is the um the office like over at the Collingwood Football Club? Uh, we're very loud. I think my team may be one of the loudest, so we get around each other a lot. Um, it's sort of like hanging out with your friends all day. So it's really really fun. Um, but we work really hard at the same time. So yeah, it's a really good balance. I like. <laughs> Haley, you are one of the the smart ones who made the made the journey to the east coast over from WA along with Ryan and a couple of other guests we've had on the podcast. How have you found working in Melbourne so far? I really love it. Um, I came to Melbourne growing up a lot, so I knew the city quite well. Um, so I knew once I finished my master's degree that I wanted to make the move over here. 
Um, and then I was really lucky with my first job. I had a really good team of about six sort of similar age to myself who became friends really quickly and they were able to show me parts of Melbourne sort of on a social level that I hadn't really seen before. So I had that good balance of friends that I could work with and then also sort of grab a drink with after work too. So I was very, very lucky in my first year here and that job that I had. When did the, the Collingwood role come about? Was it Did you have that before you moved over to Melbourne or was that something that you got once you'd moved over? No, so I was at CARA as business coordinator for a year before I got my role at Collingwood. Um, so it sort of came up to that year market, my other job, and I was starting to think about that next level of elevation and where I could get promoted and things like that. Um, and I just wasn't really seeing the path I wanted to take. Um, and I always wanted to get into sports. So I was keeping an eye on different clubs' websites from a range of sports. And my role at Collingwood came up just on a day that I happened to be looking across the websites. Um, so I applied and for some reason they gave it to me. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was very, very lucky. The timing was perfect. So it worked out really well. Nice. One thing that really stands out for me in, in doing my full research on you pre-show was the amount of experience you have in in internships and, and other roles um, that you were able to complete prior to your role at Collingwood, obviously. Can you chat us through just a couple of those roles and sort of what you learn along the way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think when I was at uni, I wasn't ever the top of my class. So I think I kind of stressed myself out a bit in that I just thought I had to get all this experience in any way, shape or form that I could because I wasn't a shoe-in just based off my grades. Um, so that's probably why you can see a lot of different things on my LinkedIn profile. Um, but in saying that, everything I did, I learned something from whether it be small or something bigger. So it was pretty good. Um, the ones that stood out were probably when I went to London in 2014 during the winter uni break. I did a month over there. So I got to travel and work, which was pretty cool. Um, and I met one of my now best friends through that program who was also from Perth and went over and did the same thing. Um, so that was really amazing to sort of get thrown into a different city and have to commute to a full-time job every day for a whole month. And the work there was pretty relaxed as well. But at the same time, they hadn't really done a lot of marketing or social media. So I got to set up all their sort of social channels and all their processes. So it was cool that I was given the opportunity to lead that kind of stuff. And I know it probably sounds pretty basic, but, you know, create a new Facebook page like that was something I did and it's not really something they teach you at uni or a lot of businesses you go in and they've probably already got a lot of that stuff set up. So that was pretty cool to kind of set it up from scratch. And then the other one would be during my master's, I signed up for the mentor program with UWA um, and my mentor had her own business, which was Business Women Australia. And then she gave myself and her other mentee the opportunity to intern for her for a few months and we got to write up marketing campaigns and present them to her, long story short. So it was sort of beneficial for her, but then also for us because we got to present stuff to her and then she worked on it with us. And then we also got to go to a few of her networking events. So in terms of internships, that's those are the, probably the two that stood out for me and that I remember when I'm looking at my CV and all that sort of stuff. And then my first full-time role, which is the business coordinator one at CARA, um, I got to work on the Dan Murphy's account which is obviously a massive account in terms of media spend and all that sort of stuff. So that was really cool in terms of learning how to implement campaigns. Obviously at uni it's a lot of theory, so you're writing all these campaigns and 
coming up with all the ideas, but then you sort of hand it in and don't actually get to execute anything. So basically my role was executing that sort of stuff, which was really cool because it's a lot more nitty gritty than you might think. Um, It's not as simple as just going, here's an idea and, you know, it's done. It's a lot of, you know, writing radio scripts and approving them and sending the audio over and approving creative for newspaper ads and things like that. So that was really cool. And then also at the same time, I befriended one of the girls in the strategy team who worked on the strategy for Dan Murphy's. And I sort of expressed that that was an area of interest for me. So she sort of took me under her wing and got me involved with a lot of the strategy stuff. And then my manager saw that I was doing that and would let me present that sort of stuff at client meetings. So that was really amazing that I was able to do, you know, really basic stuff, but also they saw that I was wanting to do more and gave me that opportunity. So yeah, they're probably the main things that have sort of influenced how I got my role now. And looking back, I probably didn't realize at the time how important they were, but yeah. That's awesome. You outlined a couple of really cool experiences, one in London, then with with Cara, which is um, a massive agency for those who haven't heard of them. How did you come about finding those opportunities? Oh, to be honest, in every way you could probably list is probably the way I've got them. Um, <laughs> obviously, the Business Women Australia one was through my mentor, um, and she was also the one who then got me the marketing role at the lawyer's office because um, she knew them and they approached her and she ended up putting my name forward. So I actually got two roles from her. Do you know why she put your name forward? I think they came to her, they're a small um, lawyer's office and they came to her wanting to do some marketing because they hadn't done much before. It was sort of really basic stuff. So she kind of was like, oh, you know, I've, I'm more like higher level strategy and bigger sort of things that might be too complicated for them. Um, so that's why she put my name forward being like, I know you're looking for some part-time work. It'd be really basic stuff just to get them off the ground and get the ball rolling with their marketing stuff. So yeah, she put my name forward and they contacted me and I had an interview and they're like, cool, when can, when can you start? <laughs> yeah, um, nice. She would, she would have known a few, she would have known a few different students though. How come you specifically? I'm not sure actually. I think she, I think she rang me and just said, I think you'd be good for this. So for whatever reason, <laughs> I actually couldn't How, tell um, you. How have you found having a mentor? Because we've spoken a lot on, on our episodes around mentorship and more so sort of how to how to land one and who, how to do it. But what's it been like for you to have a mentor, you know, outside, um, you know, of your, your manager at work, just having someone on the side there to sort of bounce ideas off? Yeah, I love it. Um, obviously, this one I got through UWA and it was when I was still studying and I think we met up every month or every second month and it was just super casual with a coffee and then she was like just email me anytime so it was super casual um and she actually gave me like I said she gave me two jobs but I think she pretty much got me three because she was my reference for my Cara role so I've really utilized her quite a bit um not a benefit of mental groups (laughs) yeah yeah they can recruit for you yeah um (laughs) I really like it. And even though she's in Perth, like she'll still message me on LinkedIn every now and then. Um, so I ask how I'm going. Um, obviously with her Business Women Australia stuff, she's um, she's obviously keen to get me involved because they do some Melbourne stuff too. So she's always sort of sending me links for things. Um, so it's been really good. But again, there's no pressure on it, which I think is really important with having a mentor. I think sometimes it can be a little bit stressful if it's like, oh, you know, I have to have this meeting with this person all the time and you know, it's just an extra thing to add on to your 
full-time job essentially whereas my experience anyway has been that it's just super relaxed and she's just kind of someone who has a lot of experience and I can go hey I'm struggling with this or I need help with this what do you think of this and she'll just get back to me pretty quickly so yeah highly recommend and it's always good having someone you can turn to that's not at your work because they're obviously impartial to whatever you're going through so yeah I couldn't recommend it more to be honest what do you think the the key parts of um, creating a, an environment where it is nice and relaxed and open between you and a mentor? Because you mentioned it can get to, you know, some of them can be fairly structured and, and regimented and feel a bit forced. But for you, it seems like it's very relaxed and natural. What, what are some of the key aspects of making sure you've got that sort of relationship with a mentor? Um I think probably the environment maybe that you catch up in, like we always just had a coffee, like she would come to UWA and meet myself and the other girl and the three of us would just have a coffee and just sort of have a chat. Um, so I guess, yeah, that environment and then maybe not necessarily having an agenda, you know, she never gave us an agenda as to what we needed to talk about or if we needed to bring anything to the table, it was always just kind of put on us and what we wanted to get out of it. And she would just, you know, ask us how we're going and if we needed any help from her. So it was sort of just in our own hands. So from the experience, obviously you had a, a couple of roles over in London and you, you came back here and um, obviously some really great opportunities for you. What were some of the, the key things you, you learned about yourself going through those roles and, and working overseas that you can you can bring back to, to your role now? I think probably the most important one for me is I'm more capable than I probably give myself credit for. Um, Again, sort of like I said before, how I stressed myself out in wanting to get all this experience because I was worried that I wasn't going to be capable enough for full-time work upon finishing. I am capable and these experiences give you even more confidence to, you know, keep furthering your career. Um, So that's probably something I need to give myself a bit more credit for and I'm still sort of working that out. Um, you know, I'll do something and I'll be like, oh, you know, that wasn't really that important. But I've now got a really good manager who says, no, this is really good. Like I wouldn't change anything. You know, having that confidence in myself and, yeah, I wouldn't really have that without doing a lot of those internships because it mm. teaches you how to communicate in work in different environments and different team sizes and different stress levels, I guess, and a lot of other things. So, yeah, confidence and capability would be um, the main thing. And probably from an internship point of view more specifically, I think, you know, you only get out of those things what you put in. You can't rock up to an internship and just be like, oh, I'm just going to naturally learn a whole heap of stuff and I'm just going to have someone sitting beside me telling me what to do all the time. Like you really have to throw yourself in and ask the questions but also be confident enough to have a crack at something and say, you know, I'd like to give this a go, especially for marketing as well. It's all about, you know, idea creation and how you're going to implement it. Um, so, yeah, really have a crack and put the effort in and ask all the questions. Um, so off the back of that, I guess my communication skills a lot better than they were. I like what you said around, um, you know, you, you build confidence from internships as well. Like we always speak about, you know, you do an internship role and you, you're basically just gaining knowledge and you're learning about the the business and, and the industry. You won't have confidence when you go into a role unless, you, you know, you've done something before that gives you confidence. So I think that's a that's a really good point you've, you've made there. Yeah, just to add to that, I think it's like what you mentioned about, you know, not appreciating your own capabilities is, is totally normal. And I think, you know, we've 
we've expressed it ourselves, Ryan, and other pe- people that we've had on the podcast too have have shared their experience about you know when they first step into a large organisation straight out of university and there's all these awesome people around. It's easy to get caught up that you know you're a bit out of your depth here, but you know you've been picked up for a reason. And um and so I think yeah, that's definitely a normal thing that people go through when they step into into work for the first time. But then also. I answered a, a question for a student the other week, which was around how do, how do I know when I'm ready to work in the industry? How do I know they've got enough of the right experience or um, enough of the right capabilities to to um, you know to be ready to work in sport? And I guess you know similarly, you've you've just got to once again back yourself that you've you've done the work, and because you can't go into a situation thinking that that you're not ready or that you're not capable, because then you're just gonna it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you tell yourself that. So I think no matter what situation you're in, you've got to kind of believe in your own capabilities because more often than not, you're going to have that skill set behind you to, to do the job properly. So, Hales, you completed a, a Bachelor of Commerce majoring in marketing and business law and then you, you went on to do a master's degree in marketing. Did you know from, from the get-go once you finished school that the marketing was your thing? Absolutely not. Um <laughs> I was one of those people who left high school and went straight into a Bachelor of Commerce basically because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I knew arts and science weren't for me. So (laughs) almost a process of elimination, but not exactly. I knew sort of businessy-ish stuff was where I wanted to go. But then I figured out pretty quickly that marketing was the stream within commerce that I wanted to get into. Um, And then business law was sort of more out of interest. Like I was pretty average at it to be perfectly honest but I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed the sort of knowledge I got from it and it was a bit of fun so that sort of balanced out my um bachelor's and then when I finished that I sort of you know what you mentioned before Ruben like about being ready to enter the workforce I just did not feel ready upon completing my bachelor of commerce I was only 21 I just thought to myself I don't think I can add value to an organisation where I'm at at the moment, um, which, and then I had a friend who was doing the Masters of Marketing and she really liked it. So I was just like, you know what, this sort of not buys me two years but sort of bought me a bit more time to gain more knowledge, gain more experience um, and just be a, a little bit older, which, again, that confidence thing. I think at 21 I just wasn't confident enough to be able to walk into sort of any business and add value like I really wanted to. So yeah, I was not sure at all. <laughs> um, I think that's a that's a another pretty common question that that students have when they come out of uni and they've finished a bachelor degree and they they wonder should I get some work experience first or should I jump into a master's? What was the I guess the process that you went through in your mind when trying to figure out what to do next? Yeah, well, I was lucky because I extended my bachelor's another semester, so I actually finished mid year. Um, so I sort of had the second half of the year to kind of figure it out. Like I was working my part-time jobs, um, and then I did a bit of travel and, um, so I sort of had that time to figure it out. Um, to be honest, a lot of it was probably what my friends were doing. Like not many of my friends were in full-time work. Um, a lot of them were still studying. Um, so it was sort of that environment that I was in. And then I was also looking at the jobs on Seek and wherever else, um, and I just didn't feel like I could tick a lot of those boxes enough to be able to feel confident in them picking me for that role if I was to be picked. So, yeah, then I just ended up back at 
UWA doing my master's. And then were you tossing up any other master's degrees or was it always marketing that you were looking at? Yeah, just marketing. I definitely knew by then that I wanted to be in marketing. I just wanted that more in-depth next level knowledge that a bachelor's degree doesn't give you. Cool. So was there a point where you thought that sport might be the right avenue for you to take? Yeah, I don't think there was necessarily one point. Um, I've been involved with sport my whole life. So I played netball since I was quite young. And then once I was in high school, I was coaching and umpiring. So I've just been involved with it from those three different angles, really sporty family. So I knew it was always something that I enjoyed being involved with. And then towards the end of my bachelor's, I started thinking about what industry I did want to get into. So I was sort of thinking about the industry rather than specific job titles. So I started thinking about sport and I was like, okay, sport, obviously they have logos and they have advertising and stuff. So they've, I just didn't really know much about sports admin at that time. But then obviously seeing all their stuff, you like, oh, sports actually do have a marketing department and they have that admin side. So that's sort of when I started looking at um, sport and how their sort of structures work from an admin point of view. And then I was like, okay, I think I could have a lot of fun with this and add a lot of value. And from a personal level, I thought it'd be more rewarding than working for, say, a retail brand where you're just trying to push products to people. You know, I wanted to push sport to people because it makes people feel good and it's so inclusive. So I knew that would be a really rewarding career path for me. Well, you made the right choice, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was... um... When when you start a job, I'm under, I'm definitely under the impression that you know there's elements of the job that you you don't expect and you don't find in in the job description. What was some of the things that surprised you um, about working with Collingwood and 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 working in your in your role now? Yeah, I guess from my role at Cara, we just worked in our immediate team, all on the one client. So it was very that small. You weren't really involved with a lot of other people throughout the business. Um, So coming to Collingwood, I was like, yep, you know, I work in the marketing department. That'll sort of be it. There's going to be a billion people there that I'll never, ever meet. Um, But the most surprising thing was that. Have you met Eddie McGuire? I have. I have. I haven't shaken his hand, but, yeah, we've had a conversation. (laughs) Um, I need to recognise you in the street now. Oh, I don't know about that. Probably not. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so just the fact that you work with everyone, you know, you don't just work with your marketing team, you know, you work with the social media team, the designers, the commercial team, the membership team. So you just meet everyone so quickly and you learn how everyone's individual individual role, even though the task they might be doing is small, it adds to the bigger picture and you get to be involved with that. So that's probably the main thing, just I guess the working progress of everyone. You mentioned before that you didn't know about some of the roles within sport until you actually started to look inside the organisation and then got inside the organisation. Um, that's a, a key area for a lot of students. That's there. They're largely unaware of the jobs that exist within sport. Um, outside of your own role, what have been some of the other roles around you and in, in different departments and different departments where you've got inside and thought, wow, I didn't actually know that that you know, role existed within sport? Yeah, within Collingwood specifically. Yeah, within Collingwood. Yeah, um, I guess maybe from a membership point of view because I, I work quite closely with them. Like they are a very large team and you think about how they have to be on the phones to members, they're on emails, they also look after ticketing, obviously memberships, but not only 
memberships in terms of, you know, how many members we have, but you're sort of managing your 2020 membership numbers, but then you're also looking at renewing people for 2021. Um, So the different roles that exist in that to make that process work and make it work smoothly was pretty impressive. I guess um, the video team as well, like they're not just out at training games, shooting stuff, you know, they're editing, they're being creative, they work with the design team if we're putting any sort of animation into it. So, yeah, I guess every role surprised me, I guess, for lack of a better word. We even have like a digital platforms coordinator who just makes sure all our digital platforms are running smoothly, which, you know, you go on a website and on an app and whatever, and you're like, oh, this just works really smoothly. And you think it just works because it works, but there's actually someone who's making sure it works all the time. And you guys would understand being in sport, um, there's a lot of out of hours and weekend work when games and things are being played. Those websites and social media platforms are really important for that they're working properly and that they're up to date and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's like the uh, like the the CA bunker rooms, very similar. Um, you know, from, yeah, from an right. outsider, you wouldn't realize sort of what happens behind the scenes. You know, everything you see, mm. there's someone in the back end doing, and it's a it's a surprise when, when you walk in and, and see it all happening. Exactly right. The um, the great studio bunker of level one at Jellymont. <laughs> uh, Hayley, can you share a bit about um, your current role at the moment? Um, what are some of the things that are involved with your job day to day? And this season is a bit different, but um, maybe can you give us a bit of a taste of what it's like during a regular season and how that's kind of different at the moment for you? Yeah, so I started in April 2019, so I've only got one season under my belt. (laughs) So I was sort of excited this year to um, be involved with the planning process um, pre-season and obviously membership renewals and planning for different themed games and whatnot. Um, So last year I sort of just hit the ground running. It was it would have been round four or five for football Um, and we were – it was just after the Anzac Day game, actually, so I missed that one. But, um, yeah, I guess it's working with the leagues, the AFL, on any themed rounds that are happening and then how you're going to activate that at game day. So whether that's the big screens or the LED screens, or the moving screens that go around the arena, um, you know, we plan those and then we get the designers to create them and we work with the game day team on the timings of those. So marketing's pretty broad in that you you've got your fingers in a lot of pies. So we do a lot with the game day, um, obviously patron experience at the game as well, like how we, we have the opportunity to brand up the MCG and different things like that. And we have partners activating at the game. So we sort of make sure that they've got everything that they need. And then if we need to promote that they're going to be there, like where are they going to be, what time, what activities are they doing, who are they trying to get there. Um, so that sort of game day stuff. During the week, it's more communication. So you're putting out match reports um, and team selection via email, um, app notifications. Gosh, there's a bit of everything. (laughs) Um, And then we also get to work on membership products with the team. So obviously they work with us to come up with the products. So whether it be flexible memberships or reserved seat memberships, we sort of dictate that together, the inclusions in the membership, um, and then from the back of that we come up with a pricing structure. So there's that new product element and then the renewal product 
which I mentioned before. So if there is a change in a product, we have to communicate that to that membership group. Um, and if they want to renew to that product, or if, if they want to renew to another one. So that's sort of quite nitpicky because there's a lot of segmentation that needs to be done. Um, so again, it's a lot of teamwork. Um, but marketing sort of is pretty cool because I get to be involved with a bit of everything, which sort of really helps. Um, and then from a netball point of view, which I work on as well at Collingwood, they're more in the growth phase. So I get to do a lot of new audience stuff and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to go to the netball, how are we going to target them, you know, ticketing offers. So, you know, we did a $4 Friday night netball ticket last year and, you know, you work with Ticketek and Ticketmaster to see how many you sell and, what times people buy. So it's sort of cool to sort of look at buyer behaviour and mm. stuff as well. Um, it's quite cool. Really that you, <laughs> yeah, it, it's quite cool that you get to basically work with such an established, you know, almost branded, like the Collingwood fo- football is, is absolutely huge, probably the biggest club in Australia. But then you, you sort of get that experience building the Super Netball team as well um, and you get to do both with your role. I think that's that's really awesome. Yeah, and it's good because although AFL is established, we still have those areas of audiences that we haven't tapped into before. So I can sort of take what I'm doing with growth in the netball space and look at growth in the AFL space. And then obviously with um, retaining members in AFL, we obviously have members in netball that we want to retain as well. So we sort of try and look at that one club approach. It's really cool that there's such different sports, but you can align these strategies quite well. Do you do much with the the AFLW team as well? So it's sort of all all together? Yeah, yeah. So it's all all the teams across um, Collingwood, we all work across all of them, which is good as well. AFL is tricky though because it hasn't been ticketed previously. So we've offered a sort of supporter membership and then we sort of, again, work on that kind of game day experience. So the Collingwood obviously play at Vic Park, so we sort of encourage people to, you know, bring their kind of picnic set up and create your own game day experience through that, as well as having those sort of commercial partner activations at the game too. So again, that's different, but that's a bit of fun as well. You know, it's in the summer, um, everyone's really up and about about AFLW, so it's just a really positive kind of fun thing to work on as well. Hey, I want to go back a little bit, and you mentioned some of the product development that you do with the membership team. A lot of students come out of university into membership roles because those teams are so large. Mm. However, there's to, to an extent, university can't prepare you for some of the tasks within those jobs. So I was wondering if you'd be able to um, teach us a few things about the product development process that you go through to kind of develop, to develop some of those uh, offerings for members. Yeah, um, I actually just did one for Netball, so great question. Um, to be honest, I, so I was leading this new membership product for netball. So it's a supporter one because obviously the netball's not in Melbourne at the moment, um, but we still wanted people to be able to get on board and get our member exclusive content and things like that. Yeah, uni can't prepare you for it, but I guess it's understanding your audience for one. So the netball audience, they love that sort of interaction with players, um, access to, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's videos from the coaches or interviews post-match or things like that. So firstly, it's probably understanding the audience that you're trying to reach um, and you almost kind of work backwards from that. So we were looking at, oh, you know, what can we do? Is there any chance for people to get to the netball games? And 
with this one, they are limited tickets in Queensland. So we're like, okay, we'll create this membership and target it towards a Queensland audience and that membership gets them um, pre-sale access to tickets. But then for people who aren't in Queensland, it sort of acts as a supporter membership. So we kind of originally we had two products and we sort of morphed it into one. So I guess from a sort of bringing it back to your question from a student point of view, no, uni can't teach you stuff for product creation, but it's actually not as complicated as I've probably made it out to be when I was doing it. Like it's pretty simple. You go, okay, membership team, what can we put in the pack? And they sort of, they map that out, you know, whether it be like a lanyard or a membership card, they sort of work on that with you. Um, And then from if we're doing content benefits, so whether it be like a Zoom call with the team or a post-match interview that only members get to see, I just go to the content and social media team be like, hey, we want to we want to include an interview with a player just for members post-match. Do you think this is possible? How would we go about it? So from my point of view, it's a lot of coordinating. Yeah, so the content team will kind of confirm what we can do. Then we sort of put it together. We take it up to managers and things like that, being like this is what we propose. Um, membership will sort of come up with the pricing just because depends how much their membership product's going to cost. And then you sort of have to get to have a bit of fun and get to name it. <laughs> um, so if I'm not that creative, but there's someone in the membership team who he's quite creative with words. So I sort of go, hey, mate, get your creative hat on. I need to name this membership. And then we sort of go back and forth together. Um, <laughs> yeah, you kind of you don't need to stress about product creation. Like it's not this big daunting thing. Like you all work together as a team you map it out, you have a few brainstorming sessions. Um, at the end of the day, like this one I just did, it's just a supporter package. Like it's not like a big Legends AFL membership that's going to, you know, be massive. Not that I'm going to downplay my work, but, you know, it's just working with other people and leaning on people who have done it before. Like I just went to the membership manager and I was like, look, I don't know what the next step is. I've done this, this, and this. Is that in the right direction? And you know, what do you need from me to push this forward, I guess. So that was a really long-winded answer, but ask questions and work with the team and just lean on people who have done it before. No, that's a great insight to what actually goes on behind the scenes to to get something like a membership offering um, together. There's a lot, a lot of cool aspects that you've mentioned in part of your job, including the summer activations to the things at match. You know, you would have been expecting some of those cool moments before you entered the job. So, when you when you start to work in sport and you kind of get a sense of what's coming, it makes getting the job all the more special. Do you remember the moment when you did land the job and who you were with, you were surrounded by, who you told first, how you reacted, all that sort of thing? I was actually at work at my old job, <laughs> so I couldn't oh. really tell anyone. Um, <laughs> no, it was a it was a Friday afternoon, and um, they obviously rang me, so I went outside to take the call. Um, it was a really nice day. I sort of had a feeling I was going to get it. Like I felt really good about the way I sort of handled the interview process. So, yeah, they just called and they gave it to me. And then one of my best friends happened to be in town from Perth staying with me. So it was good that she was there. So I was able to call her and be like, we're going out for dinner tonight. <laughs> I got the job. Um, so maybe not as exciting of an answer as you were hoping for, but it was just good to kind of start the weekend knowing that I had it and not sort of wondering why I hadn't heard from them yet. Always a good weekend when, you, when you've got a new job. <laughs> what was the, uh, the application process like? You mentioned that you felt pretty confident um, during it. 
what were what were the sort of hoops they made you jump through? Yeah, um, so I just obviously applied through their website, just via email with all the usual um, cover letter and CV and whatnot. Um, I went in for an initial interview, and that was pretty casual. Like they just wanted to get to know me and that sort of stuff. Um, I think it's important with sport that yes, you can do the job, but also important that you're going to be a good cultural fit. So I think they'll maybe sussing me out as a person first. Um, cause obviously on your CV, like they can see that I've got the qualifications experience. Um, so that's sort of how I felt the first interview went, which was great because I just got to baffle on about how much I love sport and netball and how I want to be involved with community stuff and, blah, blah, blah. So it sort of just felt like I was having a conversation with people about the sport. So I was loving it. Um, I reckon they rang me within a couple of days to let me know I'd made it through to the next step. And they just asked me to put a little presentation together about a campaign I'd worked on recently and my decision process um, throughout that campaign and how I came to um, the execution ideas that I had and how I executed and that sort of thing. Um, again, which was really easy because I'd done it and I think with a lot of other interviews I'd been in, which is maybe how some uni students feel, which is probably how I felt at uni, you're going into a job and they're like, oh, so how would you handle this situation? You're like, oh, I don't know because I haven't done it. Whereas in this one I was just talking about like my work day, like I'd come from work working on this campaign. So I was like, oh, yeah, so I'm doing this campaign for Dan Murphy's and, you know, we're doing X, Y, Z and we're picking to advertise on this radio station because of this audience and we came to that conclusion because of, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I found it really comfortable um, and they were comfortable and they were also, like I said, pretty quick with getting back to me and didn't make me wait too long. So it was really good and I normally get quite nervous in interviews but this one I just felt really calm and they showed me around after the second interview a bit so I got to see the gym and things like that. So, yeah, like they were super lovely from the get-go. What's it, What's really interesting to me about that is how they tested your cultural fit first and then your capabilities. I think often you'll see processes, um, you know, go go and test out, you know, what someone's resume and cover letter and ability is like first and then at the end actually are you going to fit into the organisation whereas Collingwood have seemed to have done it the other way around where they've just collected a whole bunch of good people who they know will fit in and then have tested their their ability, which is which is cool to cool to they see. They also asked me who I supported in the first interview, and the fact that I said West Coast, and I still got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Especially after what happened, <laughs> what happened. Yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, they must really. Yeah. Like I know, I know. So we got that out of the way pretty quickly, and they were still happy with me. So, Hales, <laughs> um, what do you? Two things. What do you love most about your role, and what is the one hardest thing about it? Um, I love that it's never the, no two days are ever the same. I'm always working on something different. I'm always challenged in a new way. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I really like. Like I'm never bored or I never feel like I'm stagnant. Like I'm always growing. Um, and especially now in this year, because the, um, climate's changed so much, you know, working from home and obviously with the role still, I'm learning with the role, but I'm also learning, a lot about myself and how to keep myself motivated and productive. So, yeah, I guess long story short, no two days are ever the same and I'm always having a good time. I guess sport's really fast-paced, um, so you sort of have to be a little bit more reactive than maybe some other industries. Obviously, you're going week by week um, and it can be hard to plan, like if you're planning for 
a player milestone, for example, and you're doing a big marketing campaign campaign in the lead up and, you know, they get injured a week before and that's your whole marketing campaign out the window. Um, So I think it's a challenge to be reactive sometimes and to always be engaging your fans and giving them new stuff to look forward to can be quite hard when you're sort of working on the fly week by week and especially if the team's doing really good and they're doing really bad, you sort of have to adjust your communications and things like that. So that can be quite challenging, especially sort of as I mentioned before, everyone's involved in everything. So you really have to, yeah, be reactive and be sort of very strong with what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Very quickly, what's your hot tip for staying motivated and productive at home? Um, regular breaks and getting outside once a day for that hour of exercise that you're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Essential to get outside. Very good. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, and further to that that hot tip, what's some advice you'd give to, to young men and women wanting to pave their way into a career in sport? I think for speaking from my experience, I always said, you know, I'll get into sport after 10 years working in the marketing industry. I just didn't think I could add value to a sporting organisation until I had at least 10 years experience, which is obviously wrong because I'm doing that a year after working full-time. So I think it's important not to put timeframes or pressure to get into sport a year into your um, career or five years or 10 years, whatever it is, you know, just keep working and keep getting experience wherever you can, but also keep an eye out on those dream companies that you do want to work for because roles will come up at the time when you don't expect them, which is exactly what happened with me. So just, you know, your journey is not going to be sport at the start or sport at the end of your career. It's just going to be whenever it happens and, you know, be open to that. Well, it's a great point to finish on, Hales. We uh, really appreciate you coming on to the Sports Grab podcast. We've delved into some great stuff with the, the Collingwood Footy Club and really appreciate you sort of sharing more about your role and and um, and how you're enjoying it and, and doing so well. So we wish you all the best and, and thanks again. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening and a reminder to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any of our episodes Drop us a rating, preferably five stars, and leave us a review. It really does mean so much and helps us put together the show for you with more sensational guests. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 